Hello, everyone. I'm Joe Yu. Thanks so much for tuning in to Expert Insights, where we talk with industry leaders across modern financial services to discuss leadership and innovation. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. I'm Joe Yu. Thanks so much for tuning in to Expert Insights, where we talk with industry leaders across modern financial services to discuss leadership and innovation. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Super excited about our conversation today. Joining me are Chris Klein, Executive Director of the Agents for Technology Council, part of the Big I, and Ilya Filipov, Total Experts General Manager and Industry Expert for Insurance. Great to have both you gentlemen with us today. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. Real, Yeah, thrilled to be here and thank those that know Ilya and I both know that we uh, spent a stint together in a prior life and have become friends along the way. So this is the first time where we're actually talking shop officially. So it's going to be fun. So Chris, obviously incredible, incredible career in the industry. Talk to us and describe to us a little bit about the big eye and uh, what the big eye does in the space and give us some context. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to do that. I've been with the organization just about a year and a half, but in my prior life on the carrier side, I had one of the folks that had accountability to working with the state and the national big eye across a number of their programs and made the career move after 28 years. So I was drawn to the cause of what the big eye does as a trade association on behalf of independent agencies and the channel at large. And so it's a fairly complex organization. So each state by and large has its own big eye chapter and they're their own unique companies, but they're federated with the national big eye. And so there's a relationship there. And I am part of the national big eye of where there are large number of programs that we run that are earmarked and focused on helping deploy thought leadership and tools and resources to independent agencies and even carriers that support us if they're inclined across a broader way of topics. So I lead the agents council for technology, but we've got a diversity council, We've got a program called Invest, which reaches into school colleges and high schools to try to talk about our industry, massive virtual university, agency incubator, all the way over to providing E&O and market access. So there's dozens of individual- The organization delivers just incredible amounts of value. That's the the goal. Yeah. And it's by and large, most of the things that we build at the national are included to member agencies if they are a member of their state association. So it's one of those things, if you're listening as an agent and haven't caught up for a while, connect with your state if you're not a member. And certainly you could reach out to me directly and we'll get everybody connected. But it's um, it's really cool you know, try to serve an industry and something you believe in. And obviously you've, you've gathered from conversation today that we believe in what independent agencies can do. And having an advocate, really, that's what we're here for is, is an advocate. So Chris, your reputation is just exceptional in, in the space. And, and you've had a point of view and a perspective being in the space for 25 years. You've seen things change. Would love to maybe start out getting your perspective around the independent agencies today. What are some of the biggest challenges for them to survive and thrive and really grow in this ever-evolving environment that we're 
I think it's just the pure multitude of things that are happening all at once and how fast all of the change is occurring. And so the great thing about our industry is maybe somewhat cliched in channels to talk about how resilient it is and how stable it's been around. And, you know, most agencies survive and quite candidly, if they kind of slow down and take a deep breath and really look at the overall grand scheme of things, the industry base and the channel at large is relatively healthy. Values are up, margins are stable. But we're in this time really kind of unprecedented in the number of things that are going on. And so agencies have to become professional marketers. They have to become professional data and analytics gurus. They have to be cybersecurity and information privacy experts. And now we probably will talk about a little bit. Now they have to figure out how in the world they're going to become AI gurus. And so it wasn't that many years ago where most agencies spent the vast majority of their time becoming risk managers, really becoming disciplined at coverage and risk analysis and matching the right company with the right coverage and products with the right customer at the right price. And we still do that. And I think it's important to not lose sight of the fact that the fundamentals are still there. So all this other stuff really should be thought about as a way to enable it. We just have to figure out these kind of conversations to help agencies sift through all the noise. Agree. I think it's great perspective. Ilya, I know you've got some feedback on those comments for sure. Yes, I would agree with uh, Chris. Uh, a few other things that I would also mention that are very important for this space is insurance is very core product to pretty much anything that's happening in the economy in the U.S. So insurance agencies, the agents deliver a significant value to our communities, to our economy, as far as giving that peace of mind. The one thing I would mention is the world is changing. It's changing with technology. It's changing demographically. It's also changing with the risks and exposures that insurers, again, the stuff that Chris alluded to. And insurance agencies who do have a core role into our society need to evolve while keeping their magic and their the uh, things that have kept them relevant for uh, generations intact. So I think those things of establishing that balance is really important with insurance agencies. And people would mention consolidation and other additional factors, but getting that agent's role up to update, it's kind of very important in addition to the items that Chris mentioned about risk placement. Yeah, that's good feedback. So Chris, I really want to understand your point of view as it relates to the broad themes we see across financial services. And I believe it pertains to insurance as well as any of the other spaces where there's a a high value product or service, an important product or service that has the ability to really impact somebody's life financially, right? And we're somewhat caught between the two rules of thought where financial service is going from an innovation standpoint. You have one perspective that says, look, we're going to replace all the people. We're going to use AI, which we're going to talk about today as well. And I think there's some exciting opportunities there, but there's some schools of thought that say we're going to replace all the humans right, with AI. Everything is going to be touchless. People are going to be able to go on and just automatically do everything that they need to do to buy their financial products and services from said providers. And there's another rule of thought that says, you know, in important financial decisions, important financial products and services, consumers still value high quality advice. They still value a local expert. They still value that knowledge, that ability to talk to a human when they need to. What's your take on it? And how do you believe the industry feels about those two buckets? Probably depends on who you ask. I'm decidedly pro 
the health of the independent agency channel and the sustainability of it. But I think these things blend together and we'll talk about that a little bit and how technology can enable that. But a couple of things I would share, and if those that have heard me, maybe have kind of, this will sound a little bit like a repeat, but our industry has forever. And I think even today still uses something along the lines of one of the values of working with an independent agency is that you get trusted advice, consultation, you get the opportunity to get somebody who will understand what you need, your business, your household, and then create choice and bring together optionality, optionality, right? And, but it's, it's building risk management solutions tailored to you at a fair and affordable price with somebody that provides great service. And so that sounds a whole heck of a lot like other professional services. So I love to challenge people to say, how many of you have an attorney? How many of you have a doctor? How many of you have an accountant? And invariably everybody raises their hands but we're not buying any of those things off of you know the big A word every day. So let's think about our own industry for the value it provides back, as Ilya said, to the community and to the households and the businesses it serves. And so the industry and the consumer base has spoken. And the most recent Big Eye Market Share report confirmed that market share in both personal lines and commercial lines went up. And that is in a period of time through this global pandemic and a lot of external capital that was pointed at our industry to really, you know, disrupt is a buzzword these days, but to really do exactly what you said, and that's to drive technology through and displace the human element. To be clear, there's been billions of dollars. Billions. Untold. Deployed with the sole vision of saying, you don't need experts. You don't need a human in the middle of the process. And sort of my answer to that is always until you do, <laughs> until you do, right? <laughs> until you do, and then you really want one, right? And you totally uh, do. And some of the best commercials are. I mean, there was a great commercial that it was a number of years ago, but it was essentially the voiceover. It was a beautiful home on, on a residential street, but the voiceover was, "Hey, this family just bought their auto insurance at a eight hundred blah 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 blah, and they bought their home on a dot com, and then a tree falls on the garage and takes out the cars." It was just now, who do you call? And it was pro calling a local agent and dealing with somebody who would be there. but And so I think having the ability and thinking about how technology can take the truly tactical type of things where the human, the additional value of a human interaction is less and let people do some self-service for that. You know, buying and selling a car, you need your ID cards, you need a certificate, those kind of things so that the human beings can even be more freed up to do the stuff that humans do well and care and walk people through and be their Sherpa through a tough time and then to provide insight and advice. And then even now then marrying those two now discrete swim lanes together with a process that allows that insight and expertise that we can offer to be available in different ways, when, where, and how. And on different channels, right? Yeah, exactly. For example, if you have, you know, so many of the things we see broadly across modern financial service firms is you know saying hey we've got these customers that depending on which segment which demographic they're in their preferred method of communication may differ right you have certain segments of your customer that they want that information and knowledge but they would prefer to just text you and have a one to one relationship on text and so enabling those types of things so that you can be more efficient and whatnot i assume those are things you see as continuing to be really important as enabling those types of channels of communication. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. We're starting to see some wins in that regard, some great CRM tools in our industry and marketing platforms and a lot of resources out there that really allow 
the agencies to better understand how all of their customers wish to interact with them and then actually custom tailor that solution for them. And then the messaging around that can be built customer segment as well. And then when there is a time and a place that we need to have human-human interaction, that can happen. But there's no reason to build and make every single interaction you have with your customer a project when you can create scaled solutions. Well, and I think it's the technology, and Ilya, I want your feedback on this as well. The way we think about it, a lot of the experts we talk to is having built in with technology, building in optionality for the consumer as it relates to that holistic customer journey, right? And giving them the ability when they want to interact, they can. And we feel pretty strongly and would love your point of view and Ilya, give your perspective on this and love Chris's feedback that the independent agents that do adopt these types of things that do continue to modernize along the lines of meeting their consumers where they are and meeting their expectations, they're ultimately going to win market share from the ones that just kind of stay with doing things the way they've been done for 30 years and not evolve. They're going to certainly see their business erode. And I assume that's your perspective as well. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So would love you both to comment on the topic of the independent agents that do modernize, that do, I would say, take a aggressive approach with bringing innovation into their businesses to serve better serve customers, they're certainly going to be able to win market share from the ones that are not going to embrace technology as a means to improve how they serve customers. And do you guys have a perspective on that? I mean, certainly think there's people that say, well, hey, I've had my agency for X number of years. My customers aren't going anywhere. What do you say to those folks? And what do you think the risk is to the agencies that say, say, I'm not interested in innovation? We'll go first, Ilya. Yeah, I guess I can start and Chris, feel free to jump in. So both Chris and I, when we were in the insurance industry, the one observation we made was it's a generational business. A lot of times, especially the medium to small size agencies are family businesses that typically would either get acquired or perpetuate and would grow into expanding into larger insurance businesses. The one shift that we observed among the customer base, they had a loyal client base, both on the personal lines and commercial line side is uh, traditionally they would keep the next generation customer coming in. I mean, they would have over 95% renewal rates, customer coming back, but the next generation, the one observation we saw was as millennials are moving to the customer force and their buying power goes up, they would probably, they would, their expectations were to get the same type of convenience in insurance that they would get from other avenues. Like everyone wants to say Amazon or any other buying experiences they would have this or service experiences, they would have the same expectations. Let me clarify that point really quickly and just make sure drill down on what you're saying a little bit because I think it's important. So as an example from what you're saying, you have an independent agent that has served a household for the last 20 years. And this household maybe has three kids, right? And these three kids have grown up with an iPhone in their hand and they're used to immediate gratification. They want food, they order Uber Eats, they want something, they have it instantaneously. And now it comes time for them to transition into having real buying power. They get through school in there. And so what you're saying is it's a big stretch to assume that it's going to work like it did a couple of generations ago, where because I serve that household and mom and dad 
I'm automatically going to get the three kids. You're, you're basically saying that's not necessarily the case anymore. Correct. I wouldn't expect to be talking on the phone, like mom and dad talking on the phone with their agent. I wouldn't expect to be, or if I'm starting a business, to be talking on the phone together. At the same time, on the other flip of the coin, insurance is a very complex topic. It's an emotional topic. So I need to understand the risks that are there, the coverages, the exclusions, and everything else that's relevant to that. So I still need that agent, that person to provide me that help, but not necessarily on every single transaction, not necessarily on every single renewal that I have on my auto policy. If my price doesn't change, I don't necessarily expect to get a phone call to result or to add a simple coverage. I would like to do that over a cell phone or I would like to just read about it when it's convenient for me. There are times when I need to hear from my agent, but also there are times when I mean, I don't care about hearing from that agent. I want to just read their emails, get a text message and move on. Chris? Yeah, I agree, right? I mean, there's a pace to this thing that I think is connected to what and how an agency decides they want to try to differentiate the market and what segment of the consumer base they're trying to serve. The evolution of the consumer demand is really fascinating as we think through that. And we can, exactly like Ilya said, start to see data that shows that this just natural tendency of children to buy their insurance from wherever their parents had it is suspect. And that could be a good thing too, right? If you're thinking about how you want to differentiate your agency. But you hit on something there, Ilya, that I, I think is important. And I'm a huge proponent of building systematic and repeatable communications, staying in front and offering value to your customers, but also kind of blending that with most people don't need to interact with their insurance as frequently as some might sell. Commercial lines business that needs certificates on a regular basis, those kind of things, that makes a ton of sense. They're buying and selling vehicles. They got a lot of fleet activities, hiring and firing drivers. But you think about the, the typical personal lines. I mean, I'm just sort of a middle, kind of a middle market personal lines client. I mean, I, I don't buy a car every year, you know, I don't do a lot of things, but I also wouldn't want to never hear from the agent. And you guys seeing what's out there, have you taken a look at my policy in a while? Because I don't even though I do, I guess, because I'm in the industry. This is, as you said, Ilya, very complex industry and a lot of people don't know about it. And so in a time like we're in right now, where the market is incredibly hard, really on all lines of business, people are getting renewals with 10, 15, 30% increases. If you haven't been investing in relationship and education and touches along the way, your book is incredibly susceptible. And that's a point in time where now people are going to go and probably think about convenience as much as anything. So it's complex model. We need to be thinking about it. It's not horribly broken. There's definitely a divide, I think, in agencies who are creating a broader set of availability and a more dynamic experience for new customer attraction than those who are not. And then as things start to trigger life events and market conditions, retention could be a challenge. But Ilya, you could you see that saw saw this as much as I do. Even poor retention at the agency level is still 80, 82, 85% on a traditional market. So what industry can you kind of be lower than average and keep 80% of your business year over year? It takes a while for adverse actions to truly impact an agency. It takes a while. However, if you compound even 10 or 12% customer churn over a couple of years, it's a lot, right? If you're not compounding that just to break even, you've got to grow 10% that year. So if you want to actually grow, then you need to find ways to grow on top of that, right? I mean, say there's a metric that the industry uses called sales velocity, and it speaks just to that. And so it's 
new business as a percentage of prior year revenue. You touched on something that I want to drill into a little bit, and, and that is as a consumer, I've watched the price increases, right? And I have a investment property in my personal home and whatnot and cabin insured. I mean, 20, 30% price increases. And I didn't hear a word from the agent that, that has my business. I won't mention names. Okay. But had I had a note saying, had something come to me and said, hey, by the way, give you a heads up, you're going to see some increase in cost. And if you'd like to walk through it and discuss, I'm available. Like that simple component isn't even in place with my agent. Do you think that's, is that the standard that happens out there to where the price increases are just passed on with zero sort of empathy coming from the agent of the organization? I would hate to say that it's a standard. I mean, I guess considering how many consumers- That's maybe a little bold. Yeah. No, but I mean, there's clearly a case. I mean, you know, here we are talking about it and you experienced it. Like literally in the last 60 days, I experienced that. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I think it's a perfect example of a lot of things coming together. And in Ilya, maybe you have recollection of this. My take on some of the market research was consumers are more price resilient than the agent. So it's sort of a fascinating thing. Oftentimes I think agents are a little bit fearful of triggering a shopping decision that might not have already been thought of. So calling somebody and saying, hey, you're going to get a price increase creates work and it creates risk. So they kind of hope they just don't notice. Yeah. I mean, I would think in that case, but on the flip side, I think you can make an argument for that as an agency, somebody that's running an agency, I got two choices. Do I want to over communicate and say, Hey, you're going to get a price increase. Or do I want to hope that maybe they don't notice, or if they do notice, they don't take any action on it. That's really the decision, right? It really is. And it either comes down to it's, it's an intentional decision or it's an unintentional, but it's a design or default thing based on, you know, sort of not managing your business really well. But I think that the better run firms, even if you don't know exactly what the increase is going to be at the policy level or by individual customer, you can leverage the technology, you can leverage your insights, you can start to educate like, hey, we're seeing some things, supply chain issues, cost of materials, cost of fuel, stock market conditions, whatever it is, global catastrophes. You can start to educate people on the fact that we know these things are hitting you when you go to the grocery store, when you go to the gas pump. It's very likely that when we see your next renewal come around, we're going to have to talk about making sure we got the right coverages for you and understand how these may be impacting your prices. And so that's the kind of thing you could write that email or that blog or whatever that is once or write a few of them and hit your customers based on 90 days out of renewal without a great deal of work. And so that's a dynamic of if it's out of fear, if you don't know how or creating a lot of work, leverage the tools that are at your disposal. Yeah, leverage the tools. We talk about a framework all the time around educate, engage, and then give advice, offer advice when it's the right time. And I think what you're describing to me is as a best practice, if you want to be in a position of strength or as strong as possible in those situations, you're giving some knowledge, you're sharing kind of the macro trends and themes with consumers, and you're positioning yourself as a true expert in the space, as an authority in the space. And then if they have a question, you make it easy to communicate with them. And then if they do have a question, you're in a position where you can give them advice on pros and cons for different coverage and those types of things. And did I hear that right? Is that essentially what you're describing? Yeah, I believe that's exactly the case. And I think only because in some regards, I mean, A, it's the right thing to do. This is a mammoth expense for a lot of folks. And as we've alluded to, I mean, this, this product exists. A, we're required to have it in almost every situation. 
but we have it to protect our largest assets, either our business or our home and protect what our wealth against some sort of unfortunate liability situation. So I think people are probably more willing to hear what may be coming and why in a drip fashion. So they're not shocked. I mean, when the groceries get delivered to our home, we use this fantastic, like and my wife will say, you love Coke Zero. Do you know it's now a dollar a bottle coming? Like Kroger's isn't, pardon my language, the grocery store isn't going to tell me via an email that you better be prepared. Your soft drink's going up, but it's a buck versus 67 cents. But my insurance, you know, that kind of stuff, my mortgage. Rate. When it goes up 10 grand a year or something, that, yeah, you know, kind of matters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but my agent, I had an opposite experience. Now I'm friends with my agent, but he, he shot me a text before my renewal and he's like, man, I got to talk to you. <laughs> I got your renewal and it went up significantly. And he had already said, so hey, that's a good example. You yeah. have a relationship there, but that's an example of what you would expect of a more high touch kind of human to human relationship with your, your insurance company. Right. And he had even gone so far as to say, Hey, here's the average increases we're seeing across the other carriers that we represent. And here's a little on the high side. You also have a youthful driver and a couple of those types of things. Glad to shop you. You are going to pay more this year than you did last year for your insurance. It may or may not be as much as your current renewal, you know, kind of what do you want us to do? And so just knowing that somebody had already, and who knows, maybe he didn't even open his computer and look at my file. I think he did, but he wouldn't have had to, to still have that sort of a general theme and say, I've got your back. Yeah. So it's really what you're describing to me. And we started the conversation around saying, Hey, used to be in the risk management business and whatnot. And now I'm in the data and analytics business. I'm in the marketing and customer engagement business. And I I have to understand the technologies that goes into each one of these things. And so I would maybe make the argument that bringing all those pieces together, having the data about what's going on with the customer, having the technology to be able to communicate with them. I mean, that's probably a fairly big mountain for some of these providers, uh, some of these independent agents to really get right. Is that what you see in the marketplace? And and what are some of the challenges for these agents that say, May, I want to do this at the ultimate highest level? Okay, but man, I'm not an expert on all of these different disparate technologies and whatnot. Is that the challenge usually that you run into? Yeah, that's definitely a challenge. And in figuring out which one of those sort of unique things is a must have versus which would be nice to haves and get the information privacy and some of these kind of things. I mean, those aren't nice to haves anymore. Every carrier contract, all their third-party technology vendors, all of them have some sort of obligation around privacy and breach notification, but kind of figuring out and keep coming back to it's really simple and it sounds cheesy, but what exactly do you want your agency to be and how do you want to show up in the marketplace? And so you can still be those things but get involved with your local trade associations, peer groups, whatever it is, because there are people out there living the same thing. And what I have found and what is really cool about this industry is it might be arm wrestling over an account today, but when they get together in the same room, they're largely on the same team and want to help each other and share. And there's somebody that will help host agencies through some of these things. Because if there's 40,000 of them out there, odds are, even though they're all very different, they all do it differently. Somebody's going through a similar pain point and opera. Similar transition. Yeah. Ilya, you have a lot of conversations with practitioners, providers in the space. And I think I, I would agree with, with Chris's comments that we generally see a fairly collaborative mindset and saying, hey, we're all part of this industry. We all serve 
consumers. These are humans with families that we're providing important financial products and services to. And if we all get better together and we evolve together, kind of everybody wins, right? The consumers win and the independent agents win. Ilya, you know, is that the perspective you generally have from the market when you're out having conversations? Yeah. And Joe, part of the reason why I love insurance and I'm excited about insurance is that collaborative spirit between different agencies, different brokerages. I mean, everyone is a top professional, top-notch professional. Everyone wants to win but at the same time everyone collaborates to support each other with approaches with thought leadership topics and so forth with different markets because the pie is pretty big for everyone to get and that is something that's really exciting and i'm kind of observing that part and the part of the thing that gets me excited about our platform is that collaborative approach and the, the best practices can be easily shared between different agents and different producers and different principles and that's something that's really really the exciting part about the I think you nailed it. I was just going to kind of pile on and kind of Pollyanna and raw, raw the industry. I mean, there's a reason why two independent agencies can successfully exist across the street from each other in most towns, even though they might represent some of the same carriers. Obviously, they're involved in some of the same community activities, but they bring it to life a little bit differently. They each serve a slightly different slice of the community. And so again, they might battle over an account here or there, but odds are they're probably buddies good perspective. Guys, I want to wrap up in the last part I want to have a conversation on today. And we're at this incredible inflection point as it relates to technology and specifically around AI and more specifically gen AI as it relates to it. We certainly see it disrupting and having the potential to change. Pretty much every industry can be impacted really dramatically. And Chris, I'll start with you. As it relates to AI, Gen AI, how do you see the industry's current mindset and where in your mind are some of the biggest opportunities to ultimately make a difference for the independent agents and their consumers with AI or Gen AI? Yeah, I think the conversation could look differently, whether we got a group full of carriers or maybe we have a group full of you know agents and brokers out there. And I th- think a lot of folks' exposure to AI is largely maybe having a free chat GPT account or something along those lines. So playing around with it or maybe some blog generation, content generation, those types of things. By and large, I've not talked to anybody who has found that really to be ultimately a sustainable tool, right? It's fun to play with. Or, or a sustainable competitive advantage, right? Yeah, I mean, those right. are largely, it's a neat magic trick, but it's largely um, those types of things are commoditized. And, and what we see a lot of the technology firms are saying, sure, we have Gen AI, but really all they're doing is saving you from copying and pasting something in directly into chat GPT. We saw from a recent yeah. lawsuit where you know famous comedian is now suing them all for copyright infringement. So it's kind of a fascinating thing. But I do think there's some very real value. And as you know, we start to think about how there is a race to the bottom to ask the fewest underwriting questions to get a bindable rate. There's real power in AI in that regards to kind of interpret what those questions are trying to solve for, kind of map, I'm using air quotes, against what carriers need, kind of hitting the world of bring in enough information that a carrier can get enough information to provide a bindable quote. So I think sort of in the less kind of sexy areas of the industry, you'll see areas where sophisticated and pricing models, underwriting models, those kind of things are the most ripe for benefit from that because you can run a lot of different scenarios through AI, process efficiency. You could probably run a million first notice of loss claims examples through an AI model in a couple of days 
to really find where you can move the needle. And I think if we think about it that way, that's where it lives adjacent to a human being to provide very, very real value upstream to eliminate some duplication of entry, allow the consumer and the agent to work together to get a more complete and thorough understanding of their risk and a price that matches. What you're describing to me largely is our point of view as well, that where things are going and the companies that win with this technology are going to embrace it as an assistant to each of the key roles in the organization, right? I have a co-pilot or an assistant that enhances my ability to get my job done right? To better serve the customer, to better quote the customer, to better communicate, whatever it might be. But to do that, our point of view, and I want your opinion on this, our point of view has been that AI and Gen AI specifically, you are going to have to have applications of that technology that are built around specific verticals in this industry. You can't take these general large language models, dump them on top of an insurance company, an independent agent, and expect there's going to be value delivered. It's going to be building it from the ground up around a specific industry data set, probably around your customers and the data around those customers. That's really where the value is going to be delivered and Get your, I want your opinion on that if you agree or disagree. Yeah. I mean, to overly simplify, you don't see contractors just running around town with a hammer and they're looking for nails, right? I mean, there's a very specific purpose to things. So intentionally deployed to solve a meaningful business problem, there's a lot of value in that. And so I completely agree with you. If if you're trying to solve for something, leverage the AI to do it and let the people kind of interpret the results and you go from there. But I think where this evolves is sitting adjacent to being an assistant I do think it will evolve rather quickly into reshaping what roles and what talent is necessary in an organization to take advantage of that. And so I was in an industry event where a large, large broker was explaining they are using these models to write the first draft of code for some of the stuff they build in-house. And so they've pivoted the talent or they see the talent from being a code writer to really a code authenticator. Yes, and, I'm validating it. I'm I'm basically, I'm the human in the loop that's checking it, making sure, right? But it was fascinating to hear them talk about that. You would seem like that might go from being like a book author to a proofreader. But they found that like when you start to evaluate code, a person who writes code, their head is in the way they're building the code. So they're sequentially working through their understanding of the way the language works and what they're trying to accomplish. They don't really have the benefit of that when they're just given pages of code. So it's a different skill set, not a lesser skill set, not a lesser talent. It saves time, but it certainly is a different way of thinking about things. And so whether you're a marketing person, a salesperson or whatever that is, I was thinking about that sort of dynamic across all of those lenses. All right, Ilya, Chris, gentlemen, thank you so much for the time today. Really great conversation. Look forward to continuing the dialogue here in the coming months. Yeah, definitely appreciate it. And a huge shout out to you both for your support of the Agents Council for Technology and diving in uh, what I think to is a really good spot to get fully acclimated and immersed in this great industry. It means a great deal. Yeah, thank well, you. thank you for the opportunity. All right. Thanks again, guys. Thanks so much for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.